Welcome back to Med Twitter this week. I'm Chris the Chew Man Chew, and I've got a great tweet. Dr. Avi Cooper, my friend, Dr. Avi Cooper says, why can furosemide improve dyspnea slash pulmonary edema from acute congestive heart failure within minutes of administration? Question mark. The answer does not involve diuresis. We'll talk more with him about this tweet after the intro. All right, welcome back. I have Dr. Ivy Cooper, the famous, infamous Dr. Ivy Cooper. How are you doing? Good, Chris. It's so good to be talking to you. So I think most people know know of you, know of your presence on Twitter, your great threads and tutorials that you've been doing over the last, I think you really picked up over the last half a year even, a little more yeah, than that. Yeah, really in the last six months I've been doing it more, yeah. And you, you and Dr. Tony Brew and Dr. Hannah Abrams now have this great uh, podcast called The Curious Clinicians, where you guys are sort of culling a lot of the, the threads that you guys have been doing and then packaging them into podcast form, is that right? Yeah, it's really just an excuse for like the three of us to like talk about, you know, fun, interesting medical topics that, you know, that we want to learn more about and then we record it. So. Yeah, I just listened to your last one. Uh, was that on, was that Wednesday? Was it like your episode four or five? And that was, was it the azithromycin, the anti-inflammatory properties of azithromycin? Yeah, that was the most recent one, azithromycin. Yeah. That's good. I really enjoy everyone to check it out. But we're going to talk about furosemide or probably easier to say Lasix. <laughs> I don't know. Are we allowed to say Lasix? Yeah, I think we're allowed. Yeah. Okay. So... So when you get ready to do these uh, these threads, you you engross yourself in just like tons of literature for weeks, I assume. Yeah, it's like it usually takes me about two to three weeks to prepare them, actually. And yeah, it's like this two to three week deep dive into a single topic, and I almost always learn something that really really surprised me that I just had you know had no idea about going in, um, which is honestly part of the fun part. What was the first thing that made you interested in to start digging into this? And was this the question you were looking at to begin with? Yeah, it was. Well, I keep a running list of questions that come up or things I come across that I want to learn more about and potentially do in a tutorial form. And this had been on my list for a while. It originally was something that I had heard about as a resident, actually, where one of my co-residents gave, I think, gave like a really quick like chalk talk teaching session and it came up that that lasix furosemide has this non-diuretic effect this you know venodilatory effect and it just kind of encoded a little bit in the back of my brain and for whatever reason you know i put it on the list and decided to learn more about it and do the tutorial i mean so i mean i, I don't want to spoil it for too many people but you talk about the venodilator effect and a bronchodilator effect and it, it just it, uh, the way you just dis describe and discuss sort of the proposed mechanisms sort of just blew my mind. Yeah, it blew my mind too, honestly. <laughs> it's one of those things that just, I, you just lace it, is a diuretic and that's how, that's how you think about it. And, but it, you know, what, looking back, like I, I have had patients that get better within a few minutes, you know, they feel better, the respiratory rate goes down. It's always kind of confounded because you're doing other things you're putting them on non-invasive or maybe you're giving them nitro. So there's like, you're doing other things to make them better too. But I, I did have that sense that sometimes people just get better faster than they can make urine. 
I mean, so a lot of times when I hear about, you know, dilator effects, you know, and endotheliums, I think about nitric oxide and you sort of talk about that there is some nitric oxide effect, but doesn't really explain it all. Is that right? Yeah. One of the studies that I, I had quoted had actually studied like a nitric oxide inhibitor and it didn't seem to block the effect of, um, of Lasix effect on, on venodilation. So that suggested that the nitric oxide piece is maybe less important. What was your favorite thing that you gleaned in, in your whole research? And did you put it within in the thread or were there other things that you wish you could have put in the thread that you wanted to tell us about? Honestly, it was the bronchodilator effect. That just totally <laughs> surprised me. You know, I'm a lung doctor and like, I just had no idea, no idea at all that, that it worked, that Lasix works as a bronchodilator. Um, and then when it ended up being the same mechanism as the venodilation, you know, and that the mechanism in heart failure as well, that's what really was like, man, this really ties together. <laughs> that's a really cool drug. <laughs> so I, I don't know if like everyone, you know, great minds were thinking alike or just, you know, he read your tweet or, or whatnot, but Rohan over at Medlife Crisis had a tweet that came out like, I think the day after yours. And he asked, he started off with a poll and said, does ferrosamide save lives? And um, the poll results were actually really interesting. 48% of people said yes. And he was talking about, well, the, the reason why he asked this is because, you know, he's a cardiologist over in the UK and he gets a lot of junior doctors always regurgitating. Well, you know, they always say that there is no actually added more mortality benefit to ferrosamide. And then, and then he'll talk to nephrologists and say, well, it doesn't really bother me if they're on it or whatnot. Did, did you get a chance to see, I think I, I shared this tweet right before we started talking about, and, and I don't know if you had a chance to digest it a little bit, but what were your thoughts on that discussion? I guess my thoughts are like, that's a study that no one's ever going to do. You know, you're never going to be like randomized to no Lasix if you have heart failure. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to like withhold like diuretics on my patients with heart failure, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's an unanswerable question, but you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to like withhold it. It doesn't seem right. Um, or did you have any other pearls or things that you wanted to let people know about? Or if, if I was reading your, your, your thread and somehow I missed your, your, last, <laughs> your last tweet with the conclusions, what, what, what are the big takeaways you want people to have from, from your thread? So, you know, there, are, there seem to be, I guess you would call this like an off-site effect, I guess, or an off-target effect of, of Lasix or furosemide in heart failure. And... There was a lot of, actually, it was interesting. There was a lot of discussions about whether or not to give, whether, like, should we be giving um, Lasix to aneuric patients who are in acute pulmonary edema? Right, right. That's honestly a question that's never come up for me, um, and it's not part of my practice, but it was really interesting to see that some people have used, you know, like, people were piping up and saying, like, I've used that and it's worked, and, you know, so I, I can't comment on whether or not that's actually a viable strategy. <laughs> Um, but there is a, this non-diuretic effect of venodilation, increased venous capacitance that reduces pulmonary congestion within minutes in heart failure. And it seems to be due to prostaglandin effects. Um, and that Lasix also is a bronchodilator. And, you know, it's pro when, 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 when people feel better from taking Lasix, um, you know, they're, they're probably feeling better for multiple reasons. There's also effects on J receptor function and signaling in the lungs. And, and you know, Lasix has been used just for dyspnea from like end stage cancer. 
um, like lung cancer in an inhaled form. And so there's probably a multitude of effects as to why people feel better <laughs> taking, taking Lasix, you know, for when we're using it for acute heart failure, which I, I think is just absolutely fascinating. Do we know what the duration of this effect might be? Or is it just, just long enough for the diuretic effect to, to, to kick in so that um, we can finally, then it helps them out in the end? That's a good question. I honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess you could find out if we tried doing the study on aneuric patients, right? Then you'll, you won't yeah. have to worry about the diuretic effect. <laughs> yeah, right. No confounder. Uh, who do we know over in nephrology we can do this study on, right? I don't. <laughs> well, thank you so much for discussing that tweet with me. I'm going to sort of bring up some of my favorite tweets for the week, and then we'll talk about one of your favorite tweets for the week in a second. So some of my favorite tweets of the week include one from CP Solvers. Of course, the CP Solvers are amazing. They've got a great, great uh, Twitter, Twitter handle. They have lots of great things there. They have a YouTube. They have a podcast. They're every platform and amazing. And one of the things they're best known for is their schemas. And so most recently, they had a beautiful, beautiful schema on lactic acidosis. I really encourage people to check that out. Dr. Jeff Stetson, who has been on the episode a couple of weeks ago, um, he had another tutorial Tuesday, and they were talking about the hierarchy of teaching skills. And sort of, they talk about where the pinnacle is like the large, greater than five minute didactics, but you have all the smaller things, including like small pearls, less than five minutes and so forth. And they were saying, that, you know, what were people's thoughts on their uh, proposed hierarchy and if they had any thoughts on changing it. But they use that because as... Um, they start moving on from their discussions on online teaching sort of to clinical teaching, uh, which is sort of their focus for the next several months. So I really encourage people to check out that thread, put in their couple two cents, whether they think this hierarchy is appropriate and um, continue to follow them. Um, they also have a brand new Twitter handle to follow just their discussions. And so that's at MedEdTwag team. So make sure you guys follow that as well. So the next is from Dr. Lakshman Swami, and he has um, this, this card game that he's working on getting produced called Critical Care, the Crit Care Game. And in fact, I'm actually like a beta tester. Uh, I, I spent like 20 minutes cutting out all these cards. And so I'm still working on uh, a beta testing it. Um, I'm still working on getting dice for it. So I'll, <laughs> once I get that, I'll, I'll be able to do some more beta testing. But he's got a, a quick like one minute video on sort of his pitch. So I really encourage people to check that out. Um, I can't believe that he. I can't believe that he asked you to cut out cards as a beta test. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, so I actually reached out to him to beta test, and he's like, "Oh yeah, sure." And he get, he, I think he sent a PDF, and um, basically it prints off. So, that, so I printed it off myself. And you didn't I have a choice. <laughs> I didn't have a choice, but definitely I'm going. Like, if he decides to do a Kickstarter on this, I'm totally, I'm totally in. Um, so I, I'll, I'll let you guys know how it goes. Um, next is uh, Ben Schwartz. He had um, ortho Twitter tips. So basically talking that groin pain really is just hip pain and lateral hip pain is actually bursitis. So I think I say this all the time in my outpatient clinic, but maybe other people don't know this. But so when people say hip, it's, they're probably not talking about their real hip. So <laughs> then last is the first ID tutorial from ID, the ID Fellows Twitter handle. And they really looked at the, uh, the importance of source control when managing persistent bacteremia. So they had this case where they talked about a patient who was on day three, day four of persistent bacteremia. And they're like, what do you do? They're on vancomycin. Do you change up the medications? What do you do? Of course, they sort of sandbag us because 
the real answer was, well, there's obviously a source you haven't found to have control of. So that's the real answer. So I would check, have people check out that, that thread. Um, so Avi, you brought a tweet that I thought was hilarious. I really enjoyed it when it came up recently. Dr. Moyne is a resident over at MGH Medicine. And so her tweet goes, I read hemodynamic embarrassment in a consultant though for the first time. And my sources informed me this is a normal CCU phrase and frankly, I'm into it. So have you heard this phrase before? I don't even know what it means. I have, and yeah, I think it's like somebody who you know goes into shock. Um, and I, I agree with with Dr. Moyen that it's a it's a, just a, a kind of I don't know if it's a lovely turn of phrase. It's you know describing a, like a, a, a an unfortunate event <laughs> or unfortunate situation, but it is you know it is like this it, it's it's eloquent, um, and it reminded me of one of my kind of favorite. Um, kind of short critical care synopsizing phrases, which is metabolic disarray, which just, <laughs> you know, it sums up a lot. It doesn't in, in just two words. Um, and I just enjoyed that. I thought the, I thought her description of the phrase was, was really well done. And then the, the, the thread was interesting as well. You know, people, we were getting into like the etymology of embarrassment, like the French origins and like it's other connotations besides like shame. <laughs> So I just, I appreciated that she, she, yeah. I'm trying to imagine like someone with hemodynamic shame, just like, <laughs> right, exactly. <sighs> do you, do you, so besides that and metabolic disarray, do you have any other favorite sort of turns of phrase that you learned about since joining medicine? Oh, I, I, um, I like, uh, I've always liked, you know, perfect is the enemy of the good or, the juice is not worth the squeeze. That's one that I use a lot. <laughs> I've never put yeah, that in I, a note, I, I use, I use, I use, I don't put juice is not worth the squeeze in a note. <laughs> um, I think one of the phrases that um, I've always wondered about when I first was in med school and I was doing my rotations at OBGYN is the use of expectant management. It's like every, every, mm. like on every single note is expectant management. I was like, continue to monitor. Yeah, continue to monitor. <laughs> it's sort of like, okay, on, on a, not do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like on the other end when I, when I'm getting my consultant note and I'm saying, well, appreciate the recommendations from the yeah. critical care team, <laughs> the pulmonologist. <laughs> We're going to wind down our discussions today. Uh, one thing I'll, before you leave us is, what do we have in the horizon? Do you want to give us any teases for possible threads, or even what what's in the bag, what's in line for the curious clinicians coming up? Yeah, I, the the tutorial stuff can change, so I'm hesitant to commit <laughs> on air to what's coming next. Um, but uh, our next curious clinicians podcast is going to be on why saline is actually abnormal. Um, abnormal saline. I love this discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And it was based on a tutorial that I did last year. Um, and so we, we do a deep dive into that and we get into, we're going to get into like the origins of saline itself and all the different crystalloid formulations that have existed over the years. And, you know, we're going to talk about like mammalian, uh, like osmolarity, you know, like how we got here. And um, yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a cool discussion. So I hope people people download and listen. So you think plasmalite's gonna say more more normal saline? Do I what? Should should plasmalite change the name to more normal saline? Oh. 
or our lactated ringers. You know. <laughs> I think one of my favorite um, pieces on lactated ringers was, I think early on there was a lot of discussions when I was in med school about, you know, I had a med- medicine attending who wouldn't prescribe lactated ringers because he would say it's so much more expensive than normal saline. And I think several years ago, it was sort of, I think it was an EM blog and they looked at, at sort of like the prices and they're like, it doesn't cost more, any more than like a liter of Coke. So like, yeah. would you, would you really rather cheap. hold a liter of Coke really than, cheap. exactly. So I actually found it really interesting over the past, you know, not to steal what you guys are going to talk about coming up, but I really find interesting sort of the, the change in the last several years of when I first started, the internists did normal saline, the surgeons did lactator ringers, and the ED docs, depending on whether they felt like they were trauma surgeons or not, did lactator ringers. And now everyone's just doing LR and definitely the surgeons yeah. are, and anesthesia is not doing head of starch anymore either, so. Yeah, it's harder after like some of this, like the SALT ED trial that came mm-hmm. out and others, like it's just hard to not, not give like balanced crystal light at this point, I think. I completely agree. I completely agree. All right. So I'm going to encourage. So when's that coming out? Is that in two weeks? It's going to come out next Wednesday. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Don't have to wait too long for that. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, Avi, thanks for spending time with me right after your clinic. <laughs> I know you're still, you're just like getting things ready and, and, and jump, jumped onto the call with me. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. I'll see you around in the hospital. Yeah, I'll see you around, man. Take care. Easy. Bye. Thanks again for following us here on Med Twitter this week. I appreciate the time that Dr. Avi Cooper spent with me. Make sure that you subscribe, rate, review, and all the great platforms that are on YouTube, Twitter, Periscope, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everything else. Have a good one. See you guys later. Bye.